the most important thing is property management. For me, I truly believe that. I know people who've made a career out of syndication just because they've found a great property manager. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff. With us today, Buck Joffrey. How are you doing, Buck? I'm doing good. How are you, Joe? I am doing really well. And I say your first name is the most fun first name I've pronounced in a while. Oh, good. <laughs> Buck, in addition to having a very cool first name, he is also the host of the Wealth Formula podcast. He is an accomplished physician turned entrepreneur and asset manager. He built a eight-figure net worth by teaching the principles of wealth and building through his website and his podcast. He is the best-selling author of The Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, and he's based in Chicago, Illinois. So with that being said, Buck, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, sure. As you mentioned, I actually am a physician and I finished my training in 2008, 2009. I got inspired a little bit by Kiyosaki's cash flow quadrant. And then instead of kind of going the direction of all my colleagues, I went into business for myself. And when I mean business, I mean real business. I pulled myself out of this medical practice after a few years and then started a couple other businesses and just became a serial entrepreneur. And I started making a fair amount of money doing that and I had to figure out how I was going to invest it. My dad's a scrappy real estate entrepreneur. He has been for 50 years and then I'm reading Kiyosaki and before you know it, I've become a real estate guy too. Let's talk about some specifics. Accomplished physician turned entrepreneur, what exactly have you started? I've started multiple companies now. I've started, my first company was a cosmetic surgery business and that's still in existence, completely hands off. I'm literally moving away. I have another business in the allergy and sinus arena. I have another behavioral therapy business. I have multiple real estate assets and I'm managing some assets. And what else? Let's see, I've got, I've got internet assets, cash flowing internet sites, and the thing that I spend the most time with is my podcast and uh, my educational platform, which I really don't make very much money on at all, but it's what I like doing. And when you make enough money, you can do whatever the hell you want. So, mm -hmm. With your real estate businesses, you syndicate deals? You, I, we talked a little bit before we started recording. You said you syndicate? Basically, I started out buying multifamily of smaller apartment buildings just on my own and had some success. And I had people asking to invest alongside me. So I effectively made a decision that, well, let's just do this. If they want to invest alongside me, let's just start doing larger assets and getting people involved. So so that was the decision to make. And now it's a little bit of a tough market. I know I don't know what, what your experience has been, but we're sort of at the top of the cycle. So it's not like there's a lot of deals going on. So there's other things that I'm doing 
obviously you probably heard of Lee's opportunity with the real estate guys. So I'm one of the sponsors on that and also got a life settlement fund. So I'm, you know, I'm asset agnostic. I love real estate, but I'm I'm not going to go and buy something just because I love real estate. It has to make sense. What's a life settlement fund? Whole life insurance policies. This is kind of a crazy thing, right? People buy these whole life insurance policies and most of the time they shouldn't, although there's exceptions to that, obviously. And what happens is they pay for them for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. And the next thing you know, they're 80 years old and they can't afford the premium anymore because they're expensive. So an insurance policy, you typically have the cash value in addition to the insurance with the whole life insurance policy. That's usually not very much compared to the death benefit. So when somebody say they're 82 and they need some money, they don't know what to do because they can't pay for their insurance policy anymore. And they've got a cash value of say $100,000 sitting in that account. So they could turn it into the insurance company and say, okay, just give me my $100,000 back, even though I've put several hundred thousand dollars over the years. Or they could turn to a broker in life settlements and they can say, hey, you know, I'll tell you what, the broker will say, I'll pay you five times your face value instead of that 100000 And all you have to do is sign over the insurance policy to us and we'll just wait for the rest of your life. You enjoy the money and when you die, we get the death benefit. So it sounds morbid on the surface, but I think if you look at it from the perspective of the people we're buying from, they're either going to let these things expire, get nothing, get a fraction of something that's really not nearly as much as they put in, or they get four to five times as much as they ordinarily would. You've got a lot of different ventures. Looking at your entire revenue across the board, what are the percentages of each of the revenue buckets? It's tricky because I'd say real estate probably, you're talking about investments or you're talking about businesses or... Just in in total money coming into Buck Joffrey's portfolio. Well, I'd say probably my businesses tend to be pretty high revenue. So I would say still 80% of yearly income does still tend to be from these businesses, whether the cosmetic or sinus or behavioral therapy businesses and the internet assets. So in terms of real estate, I'd say probably maybe 15%, I would say is from real estate. But I think that the way I view real estate as an investment vehicle, and it's something I've grown up with and I understand it, but the way I make my money on a day-to-day basis is as an entrepreneur. So I think of real estate as where I'm going to put high velocity income into to grow it and turn paper money into a tangible asset. That's basically what I see it as. With the multifamily deals that you syndicated, how many purchases have you done with multifamilies? Well, with multifamily, I'm just getting in the game now. I've syndicated at least two or three different types of things, but in terms of multifamily, it's not something that I've done a lot of yet. I own about seven or eight apartment buildings right now, medical building and so on and so forth. So from the standpoint of taking investors along, it's relatively new to me. It's funny, seven to eight would probably seem like a lot to most people, myself included, (laughs) but you said you only own seven or eight. Now, only meaning you personally or you- I own seven or eight apartment buildings myself. Yeah. My point was that I think, Joe, that your thing is you're the syndicator person, right? That's what you do. Syndication for me is opportunistic. And it's like, if you thought of a guy who was buying an apartment building, as an investment, right? That's what I used to do before I started looking at the syndication path. And now what I look at is, okay, well, if there's large asset 
that we want to acquire, I can put in the same amount of money and then investors can put in money alongside me and we can make that happen. So I think it's just a different way of approaching it. That's the same way I put my money into every deal as well. But what I was asking was just the apartment buildings. So you personally own seven to eight yourself, and then you have a medical building. And then how many on top of that have you syndicated? Well, I've syndicated two deals. Okay. So seven to eight apartment buildings. Let's talk about those. What was the first one that you bought? The first one, unfortunately, wasn't a very good one. That's where I learned from. I bought like a 14-unit apartment building in the southern suburbs of Chicago. And basically, I did everything wrong. I looked at just the numbers. It was a class D apartment building. I didn't find good management first. And I basically just kind of looked at the numbers and I didn't do a lot of the homework that I probably should have. So got into this thing, realized pretty quickly that some of the numbers were cooked a little bit from the previous owner because he owned a number of properties in the area and he was essentially stuffing the rent roll. And then in terms of management, I just couldn't find a good property manager to be able to handle it. So I basically took a big loss on it. That was my first property. And it's one of those things, I guess, as an entrepreneur, is, is I've taken some losses and I always see them as opportunities to learn something. <laughs> there was a lot of learning there. <laughs> Absolutely. I certainly learned the most on my first apartment building deal. So that one you don't have anymore. Let's talk about the first one that you did that's still in your portfolio. I got one basically in it was 2011. Remember, I finished my training in around 2008, 2009, so I didn't have any money until around 2010 or 11 to invest. So 2011, I bought this building and I got lucky in this. And part of this is a theme that kind of keeps coming up in my life, which is sort of a network-based investing. I'm around a lot of people who who are in the business and who know I've got money to invest and sometimes things fall in my lap. And that's what happened is there was somebody who had rolled up a big portfolio loan and they needed to get out. So I got a pretty sizable discount. And the cap rates of that area already were, I think in the area were probably market caps were probably around seven and a half or so. And I ended up getting this at like a nine and a half, 10 cap. And that particular property in that area, because it's in a really, really hot area in Chicago, the equity, I think it's probably doubled because of the fact that the cap rates, and this has nothing to do with me, it's dumb luck. We're top of the market right now, and it's probably about right around six in that area. So that's the first one. And with the 22 unit, knowing that the cap rates are at six and you bought it around nine and a half, are you doing anything with that to capture that equity or are you just letting yeah, it ride? I've kind of gone back and forth on that. I mean, I have this five-year one, but you know, it's a, uh, let's see, no, it was a, it had, it was 11. And then I had just had refinanced it, I think in 15 or something like that. But, but the issue was that what happened was that I didn't really know which way the market was going to go. And sometimes when a, a property is doing so well, you know how this goes. It's, it's like, if I sell this thing, we're going to find something that is going to do this well. I mean, this thing was an absolute cash cow. So honestly, I like to hold on to things. If things are performing well, I like to hold on to them. So I'm not generally the guy who, obviously, when you have performance, you show like a five-year disposition, et cetera. I'm not uh, the guy who's always really excited about the five-year disposition of something's working really well. Do you own seven or eight apartment buildings, just so I'm clear? Well, I own seven apartment buildings and one medical building. And one medical, okay. 
of the seven, which one's been your favorite? The first one I just mentioned, it's in one of these areas in Chicago that's getting super hot. And I, again, I had no way of knowing that. It was an area that I think it was sort of a hipster area before. And now it's becoming very yuppie. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of the gift that keeps on giving. And for people who are familiar with Chicago, what area of Chicago is it? It's called it? Uh, the Pilsen area. Pilsen. And the medical building, well, clearly that makes sense. Are you a tenant in your medical building? Yeah, one of my practices is in that building. Got it. You've got a lot of things going on. How do you prioritize your day? Honestly, I mean, about for a half hour before I was talking to you, I was playing with my two-year-old. really comes down to, I treat everything like a business and I've got management and I've got a COO who's just phenomenal. I've got a great marketing team. And so literally I'm moving to Santa Barbara in August. The point is, and I'm trying to make is that I'm very lucky in that I have a team and I've approached this from day one as a business. Everything I've done is a business and I try as much as possible to be very high level and direct the action. I think probably the thing that I spend the most time on in general for my business is marketing in a high level direction. What has been a recent shift or big decision that you've had on the high level direction of your business? I think the idea of starting to get more involved with investors has been a major decision for me. I take that very, very, as I'm sure you do, I take it very, very seriously And it was something that I had to think about a lot because I've done well for myself and I don't really need people's money to do this. So the question for me was, do I really want to take on that responsibility to start syndicating and raising money for things? For me, it was just, I think it's an opportunity to, in a way, to give back. As you know, I'm a physician and my audience tends to be not necessarily physicians, but certainly high-end, highly educated professionals. And we're also the ones who are constantly getting screwed, right? Once people see doctors and they know that they make a lot of money and everybody, (laughs) it's like a shark tank. It's like everybody goes around them. They want to try to screw them over. And so that was the reason I wanted to get in the game because I want to try to be somebody that people can trust. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I think for me, the biggest thing, this is just basic, but I think the most important thing is property management. For me, I truly believe that. I know people who have made a career out of syndication just because they've found a great property manager and that they feel comfortable that every time that they get a property and the property manager can give them real information in terms of understanding what those real expenses are, what market rents are, and things like that, you can really rely on that. I think it's probably, in my view, the biggest thing that people should look at. In fact, I talk to people in my group, this investor club, but it's not just about putting together deals, but it's even just advice on what should I do? I'm looking at this. I want to go to another market because I live in New York City. My advice is always, okay, well, don't look at properties first. Go meet property managers first. Pick the market for a reason and spend a lot of time interviewing property managers because I think for me, that's do or die. I mean, and then that's the same thing for all of my businesses. I mean, without good management, you're pretty much screwed. I agree. Without good management, that is one thing that you are definitely going to be in trouble with. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right. Well, with some trepidation, we shall continue. <laughs> First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? 
even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. Best ever book you've read? The most influential would be Cashflow Quadrant. Best ever deal you've done that you haven't talked about already? It was not a real estate deal. I've taken internet businesses, bought them for pennies on the dollar, and turned them into six-figure businesses. What's the key to turning a pennies on the dollar internet business to six figures? Having a great marketing and internet team. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that you haven't mentioned already? Well, a transaction means either could I be on the buy side too? Do, yeah, do whatever, whatever, yeah. I think the biggest mistake I've made, and this seems crazy, but I just trusted too much. When I was trying to learn syndication, I joined up with a guy who was supposed to be some kind of syndication guru. And I've realized he was just a crook and all he really cared about was fees. And so I had to get out of that, but I lost money because I had to invest with him. What is the best ever way you like to give back from a business standpoint or just day to day? Well, I think with my podcast, I'm giving back since I don't really make much money doing it. And I would say that that's my mission right now is education for high paid professionals. And again, it's definitely my least profitable business. So I would say that's pretty much giving back. And how can the best of listeners get in touch with you and listen to the podcast or learn more about you? Wealthformula.com. You can go there. Lots of resources on there. Actually, you mentioned my book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth. It was on Amazon. It was a number one bestseller. And then I took it off. I just put it on for free on the website as a download of PDF. So you can grab that if you want. It's a good one to send to, especially people who don't listen to your show, because it basically talks about a lot of the paradigms that you and I already agree on and your audience already agrees on, but we got to keep people from dying broke. There's also a whole bunch of other downloads on that. So wealthformula.com and the podcast is Wealth Formula Podcast. Well, thank you, Buck, for being on the show. And best ever listeners, wealthformula.com is in the show notes. And then since you agree with us on the approach, go find a friend and tell them about the book too so they can go grab that book. Buck, thanks for talking about your approach from a macro level in how you build your wealth. And then touching on and talking about some specific real estate deals, the 14 units that went the opposite direction that you wanted, but it was your first one, and the lessons learned along the way in terms of the management company and just looking at the numbers and the seller cooking the books a little bit, so the due diligence that I'm sure you do on future properties, as well as the 22 unit that went incredibly well and still is going incredibly well and the area that you got it in, as well as the connections that you had to find out about the opportunity. And then overall, how you approach your business and the ventures that you have, how you prioritize your focus, the high-level direction, and the marketing. 
and then your recent decision to do the syndication route. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, Buck, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space, but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.